Welcome back, everyone. This is the Bless You Boys podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Day, and with me is my co-host, Ashley McClennan. Ashley, we uh, we finally, t- at least temporarily, made it on the air. We did. <laughs> Technology was not our friend leading up to this. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. It was, uh, it's was been, been a little bit of a sketchy day in general with the technology. I mean, it's the weather. Uh, I do not know. You never trust it. No. Skynet is going to reach up and take <laughs> us all. We didn't. Uh, we didn't have any flooding, so there's that. That's good. Oh. I know you uh, you had some issues this week, apparently. Yeah, the office above mine at my day job, um, their sprinkler, like their fire system sprinkler, went off unexpectedly. Um, and of course, because they can't turn it off until they have the permission of the fire department to say, "Hey, there's no fire." water is just pour pour pouring down and i think it went their their offices on the 12th floor and 11 through down to three oh, all had water damage oh no oh yeah that's course, terrible. i'm on 11 so we got the worst of it yeah and, what, and that happened on sunday night didn't it sunday night yeah i just, <laughs> finished, just sat down to eat dinner and i get the call so i ended up at work for four and a half hours uh, and did not get to eat until eleven thirty at night. Oh, uh, <laughs> joy! Great. Yeah, yeah. Nothing like work to ruin uh, ruin your life. <laughs> That's true, and yeah, nothing like work to ruin a weekend, isn't it true? Yeah. So I don't know. There hasn't been a ton of news since we were on last week, but um, the Tigers did give us a, a little bit of meager fuel to power this kind of jalopy of a podcast <laughs> for another week. A little bit of uh, interesting detail um the tigers made a pair of signings both of them of the minor league variety um they picked up gordon beckham second baseman who many of you will remember from his uh white sox years his ignominious days as the white sox kind of miserable second baseman and then the um now he's our miserable second baseman (laughs) maybe yeah hopefully uh, hopefully we won't see him but um I don't know we we kind of figure these moves are are mostly depth for spring training um but for anyone who didn't read the post, it's a minor league signing uh, with an invitation, a non-roster invitation to spring training. So it's not like they've given him a million dollars to play second base. It is just a, hey, let's see how bad you really are now. Yeah, and if the Tigers want to go with a, a kind of bad second baseman, they have, you know, they have plenty <laughs> available to <Yeah>. them. <laughs> they could use Nico Goodrum and that'd be fine by me or Lugo or whatever else they, they want to decide yeah, to do. I heard somebody mention it might be an opportunity. They might use him just as kind of a piece in between um, to let Lugo kind of stretch out in, in AAA for a little bit and it's such, just kind of as like a, a dam stopper in the meantime. And that actually made a lot of sense to me. Like, I don't see him being the everyday second baseman. He's played 33 games the last two seasons combined. Um, God, I hope he, he is, isn't. <laughs> yeah, he's, his, I think his average last season was like a 182 <laughs> so um he is most certainly not our our you know solution at second base um, but i would not be surprised to see him play in detroit at some time next year no i'm afraid I, am, I would not be shocked either i mean you know maybe this is just a matter of like ah, this guy's out here we could just grab him for next to nothing stash him in the minor leagues and Hopefully, he never sees the light of day in Detroit, but <clears throat> we just don't know. Yeah, I think according to Morosi, the deal was like 700000 if he makes it to the big club. Um, so it's by no means a huge contract, and that's a big caveated if right there. And the Tigers also made a second move and picked up um, his former Giants and Padres for a little bit catcher Hector Sanchez um, on the same type of deal. Um, minor league contract. 
invitation to spring training. Um, not a very expensive deal. Although Hector Sanchez is actually a little bit more interesting in that because the Tigers are so kind of weak at the catcher position, at least until Jake Rogers gets here, you can actually see Hector Sanchez kind of being, you know, one of the better hitters they have in their sort of pool of mediocre talent at this point. Um, yeah. He had an interesting career, too. Um, I don't know if people remember him very well, but he was with the Giants um, kind of all through their World Series winning romp um, up until 2016. So he's got rings from 2012 and 2014 and caught uh, Tim Linscombe's second no-hitter, I believe. So he's been around. Um, he's he's played on some good teams, at least. Um, you know, when you're Buster Posey's backup, you're probably not going to get a chance to do a whole lot. Um, and he's 29 now, so don't expect him to kind of reemerge. But he was okay in the Dominican Winter League um, over the past couple months. And you know, he's always kind of been a decent defender and framer and yeah, he might be. Um, he might be a bit of help down there. Um, you know, we just don't know. Like, it's just hard to imagine. You know, Hicks after the surgery and everything. Like, you just don't know. It just doesn't feel right to uh, to expect a whole lot of catching out of out of John Hicks. Um, so maybe they're maybe they're kind of auditioning backups between him and Bobby Wilson. But um, yeah, just kind of another. I know, I know. It's just kind of another. You know, just kind of another fairly meaningless depth move. But Hector Sanchez actually isn't that bad. And if you have him and um, Bobby Wilson down there, you know, they'll handle the pitching staff down there well and probably teach some guys some things. Both of them are kind of on the, we're going to be coaches before too long <laughs> track anyway, so they can get a, I get a start on that. I 100% forgot the Tigers picked up Bobby Wilson again. Yep, so we've got both of them down there, you know. Yeah, I mean, both of them are experienced, you know, and as long as they're not playing in the majors, that's fine. But I think, uh, <laughs> obviously, both of us would still like to see the Tigers go out and sign a second baseman and a catcher who are of at least some quality and could provide above replacement value this season at least to help out that would be nice to me though these moves suggest that we are not going to get our wish yeah i mean i think we were both already feeling that way um i don't know that these guys i mean this is the kind of thing that you might do even if you were set at the position just to kind of build up your depth i suppose so i guess we don't know for sure but yeah it doesn't feel uh, it doesn't feel real good (laughs) so no yeah yeah and you know Maybe these guys won't even survive spring training, but especially in Sanchez's case, it's, you know, I I just, I don't really want to see the Tigers keep Jake Rogers at Erie for a whole nother season when he already had a pretty darn good season there last year. I don't really see the, the point in slow playing him too much. I'd kind of like to get him to the majors as soon as he's, you know, remotely ready and um, and start to work Test with the, him in the real water. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, start to catch at the major league level, work with the, you know, the Bain coaching staff and the young pitchers and stuff like that up here. Um, but, um, yeah, it doesn't look like that's going to happen this year, the way they're kind of stocking up. Maybe, maybe a September call-up is still a possibility, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's looking less likely. Question, but yeah, I'm not, not holding my breath. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, nothing terribly scintillating. Um, it, it was almost sad to see the response to the Hector Sanchez signing article because people are so starved for news <laughs> that it was, uh, it was doing fantastic traffic and I was just like, oh, this is just, this is depressing, man. <laughs> We're so desperate for anything. Yeah, yeah, any news, we will take it. Um, yeah, so, you know, we've, we've kind of kept on with our, our usual coverage. Um, there have been a few more Tigers prospect reports. Um, I had Sandy Baez, who's our 19th-ranked prospect out today. Um, Sergio Alcantara, shortstop, who reached Erie last season, was the number 20 prospect, and you'll find his um, scouting report on our front page as well. But, um, yeah, again, like the Tigers just aren't... Uh, aren't really doing anything and nothing um, is happening in free agency still. So um, Nick, oh, it's Nick, so boring. Nick Marquez signed with the Braves, um, went back on, I think like a, 
like a, six million. Yeah, like some incentive laden kind of one year deal. Um, but that's just it, and um, and really nobody has moved. I mean, we've still got Keuchel, obviously Machado and Harper, AJ Pollock, a bunch of relievers. Uh, I think. Uh, Former Tiger Zach McAllister signed with the Rangers on a one-year deal today. Yeah, for like maybe a million dollars, basically, yeah. which I wouldn't have minded doing, actually. Um, uh, but Oh, uh, I know. Thank you. Yeah, I know. Zach McAllister is no one we're going to miss. And the bullpen actually might be a little bit better um, this year, even without him, just because we've finally got some some guys at Toledo lining up who, who should be some help. Um, we kind of talked about this. Um, I guess the, probably the most popular article on the site this past week has been the uh, roundtable um, about... <laughs> the better, better, worse, same. Yeah, like at each position. Are the Tigers better? Are they the same? Are they worse? Um, that's got a lot of traffic, and there's been a lot of arguments going on there that have been fun to kind of participate in and, and watch unfold. Um, but yeah, I really appreciated Rob throwing me under the bus on Christian Stewart. That was nice. Oh, yeah, that was nice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just hard to know how much his defense is going to hold him back. I mean, the Tigers, I think, were below replacement value at, at left field last season, so I, I'm pretty confident he's going to be better. But I don't know how much the bat is going to outweigh the you know the defense out there. Um, he he actually didn't look terrible defensively. Um, you know, he looks like he can get around and cover some ground out there, okay, and make the plays he gets to. But um, history will vindicate me on my choice. I think he might be right to some degree. Yeah, like I, I don't, I'm not, you know, I'm not expecting him to come right out and hit 35 bombs, although he's certainly capable of it. Um, but he will. Oh, I think his bat is going to be fine. Yeah. I just think he is going to be an atrocious nightmare in the field. Is what I think. <laughs> yeah, we're going to find out. I can tell people if they haven't seen much of Kristen Stewart, like you are, you are going to be horrified by his arm. Um, first and foremost, that'll be the thing that that really just kind of blows everybody's mind because it's very much like a Delman Young type of, um, you know, this guy can't really throw it, you know, 150 feet in the air unless he unless he rears back and, and unloads. Um, so yeah, I don't know. You know, that's that, that's a position where you know we should be better, but it's not going to be real exciting. Um, I don't know. I mean, I have some optimism. I think I think probably I was a little more optimistic than some, just because I think the the, the pitching depth, especially at the AAA level, is is going to play into how good the team is overall in terms of their pitching staff. And you know, I mean, it can be pie in the sky to look at like Norris, Boyd, and and Fulmer and say, well, I think they'll all be better, but. You know, based on their ages and kind of what they did last season, you know, it's just a matter of like, can they can they stay healthy? Because if they can yeah. stay healthy, you know, Fulmer and, and Norris should be pretty good or at least helpful. So, yeah, yeah, health is the big thing for Norris. I think health and and mindset, and he'll be fine. Yeah, you know, it's been interesting because you know I've been following him on Instagram and, and seeing kind of and stalking him. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Seeing, seeing what he's up to, and, um, you know, he's, I've seen him working with one of those Rapsodo units, which, you know, measures spin rate, velocity, spin axis, all that stuff, um, and he's been working with one of those, and I know Matt Boyd has has gone to driveline and worked there most off-seasons over the past couple years, too, so it's kind of nice to see, you know, Norris kind of getting in on the, the data revolution there as well and using those tools um, in the off-season to kind of help himself out, and he's also been training um, in Taekwondo, which... Oh. You know, he's he's not taking kicks or punches, he's only delivering them, so hopefully this isn't, this is relatively safe <laughs> safe activity, but, um, you know, the thing about Taekwondo is that guys who traded Taekwondo in mixed martial arts, and I'm a long-time mixed martial arts UFC fan going all the way back to the Pride days, like, those dudes have, you know, just exceptional leg dexterity and hip mobility. <clears throat> 
So, I mean, it does make sense since those have been the issues um, that he's had with his delivery and with his body that maybe something like that can uh, can play a little part in helping him out and keeping him healthy oh, all year. neat. I never even thought of that. You remember, um, was it, it was like a year or two ago when Nick Castellanos was doing all that weird, like... Oh, the weird floor exercises? Yeah, yes, I remember that 100%. It's like that slow-flowing yoga-looking you know, stuff. It, and now Chris Hemsworth is posting videos of himself doing the same damn thing, so Nick might have just been ahead of the curve on that. Yeah, I can't remember the guy's name, but yeah, um, he was working with uh, Conor McGregor, the MMA fighter, a couple years ago, yeah. and it kind of just spread like wildfire from there, all this like sort of you know, natural movement theory that they, they were bringing to it. But yeah, I remember seeing Castellanos doing those and was just sort of like, huh. Not, not really the guy I would have thought of as being into some exotic training methods, but <laughs> never know. Nick's a well-traveled yeah, Whatever individual. works, right? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, we'll just have to see how the rotation shakes out. Um, as far as the, you know, the bullpen, it'll be nice to see Joe with a, you know, a good year under his belt and a little more experience come out there and see what Mr. Jimenez has got. Um, Got Victor Alcantara, uh, Drew Verhagen, obviously Blaine Hardy. Um, some of those right-handers, you know, came on last year and showed some signs that they may be useful. So we'll get to see some of those guys again. And yeah, you know, maybe Spencer Turnbull, um, Zach Houston, who was the closer at Toledo by last year's end, who has pretty nasty stuff and should be interesting. Um, yeah, so there's there's some guys to look forward to. The pitching staff might. Um, might not be sort of better overall, but maybe more consistent just because the support coming from the minor leagues should be better. Should be. We'll see. Theoretically, yeah. The, the shoulda, woulda. Yeah, and then I played around whoops, the other, oh, I played around with some minor league spray charts because they've started to post these um, at MLB's The Farm site, like their, their prospect site. And um, we had a whole kind of wrangle this morning between me and our friend Adam Dubbin and a couple other people, the um, the Lansing Lugnuts broadcaster. Um, we're all kind of talking about like how accurate these things are, and it seems like they're fairly accurate. There was a guy at Fangraphs who d- did some kind of testing on the, the actual raw data to see if the charts actually looked like what the data said they should look like, and apparently they're not too bad, but um, you can see that on our front page as well. It's just kind of fun to look at like Parker Meadows' um, who's a prep prospect, only 18 years old this year, and he hit some really long home runs to right field. He's a left-handed center fielder. Um, so you can kind of get an idea that, like, oh, yeah, maybe this guy's got some raw power. Um, you can see Jake Rogers kind of spraying deep drives and home runs to all part of the park, whereas Isaac Paredes is more of a pole power hitter, although he does go to all fields too. So I don't know. There were some interesting little little things to glean from that, although you can't can't take it for uh, for gospel because it's not actual track man stat cast. Certified. Just more for us to obsess over. Yep, exactly. Yep, I just I'd been looking at them and was like, eh, I bet people don't even know these are out here. I'll I'll put this out there and kind of promote them. That's a little neat. Bit. I hadn't even heard of that, so that's actually really cool that they have that now. Yeah, it'd be cool if they, you know, if we could go deeper with the minor league guys and get you know velocity and spin rate and all that kind of business. But there are probably ways from that happening. Um. So yeah, that's about it for the Tigers, right? Is there anything else? <laughs> I don't think so. It's been such a light week. I know I talked to Brandon today. I'm like, are we recording? And he's like, I don't even know what we have to talk about. <laughs> yeah, I know. But then they blessed us with a Gordon Beckham signing. So you guys are welcome. Yeah. I, you know, I, the only thing I really remember, I mean, I remember Gordon Beckham and him not being good, but um, I just remember <laughs> that he was sort of like, he was sort of a fan favorite of the ladies. That's that's all I can say. I, I was he? Away. I don't remember Gordon Beckham being at all a, a point of attractive interest, but uh, I don't know. So yeah, so I also love Jason Kipnis, so maybe oh, I have true. weird taste. Yeah, so. that's true. Yeah, actually, is Canadian. 
Does that impact my ability? Do we just like people who look like they can weather a winter? (laughs) You look like you'll survive to farm another day. Yep, like that guy can grow a beard and keep his face from freezing off in the wintertime. Gordon Beckham, I don't think, can. He's kind of a... uh... I'm making fun of this, but you're making some real valid points about finding a mate in Canada, so I'm not going to dispute it. (laughs) Yep, home of the world's greatest beard-growing championships, no doubt, I would imagine. We actually have a beard contest. uh, Okay, so just as a digression (laughs) here. Every year in February, we have in Manitoba something called Festival de Voyageurs. And the voyageurs were like these hardy, um, like Frenchmen who like traversed the wilderness in canoes and shit like that. The first so, the trappers and stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we kind of celebrate that. And yes, we put maple syrup on snow. That is a real thing. <laughs> you put maple syrup and snow in a line and you wrap it around a popsicle stick and you eat that. That's a real thing with tortier. But there is a beard contest at Festival de Voyager every year. So all of these things, these jokes, they are based in reality. I can't even dispute it. Nice. Is this a real beard tournament where like you know density and length matters more so than a bunch of oils and fancy little (laughs) crap going on (laughs) you might think it would be my cup of tea to attend this event i've never actually been i just know that i just you know what last year i went to festival for the first time since university like since maybe high school oh yeah and I just got in a line because there was a line, and apparently this is what Canadians do. If there's a line, we get in it and wait 40 minutes without knowing what it's for. <laughs> just queue up, yeah. Uh, and it was for a, <laughs> a split pea soup contest. Oh, I no. kid you not. And oh my god, what a delightful accident that was to get in line for. <laughs> uh, there was some truly magnificent soup in that contest. Oh, did you get to try everything? Yeah, you get in, like, and it was all, like, the fancy restaurants from around town doing, like, really, like, upscale versions of split pea soup. So it was, like, you know, garlic aioli reductions and, like, pork belly. And so you got little sample cups of everything from, like, 12 or 15 different stations. It was tremendous. Oh, actually, that does sound pretty good. It also sounds like something that would happen in the Upper Peninsula, and so I know it's Canadian. (laughs) 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 <laughs> we spread spread our traditions to the UP. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Uh, they look, they've always looked to the north there. Yep. They're like a secondary Canada. We'll allow it. Yeah. Yeah. I think they'd like to be like to be a secondary Canada sometimes, <laughs> especially these days. So uh, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. So other baseball news. We gotta have something to to talk. I mean, today being Tuesday, as we record this, uh, they just announced the Hall of Fame inductees. Yep, little old, uh, little old place called Cooperstown apparently is getting some new residents. Yeah, so the first ever, ever unanimous uh, vote. Yep, occurred with uh, Mariano Rivera, and I know people knew he would be a first ballot inductee, but um, I am actually shocked he was unanimous. Yeah, the first ever. I mean, that that is kind of hard to believe, and I, you know, and I've actually seen people kind of mad about that. Like, why would he be the first unanimous? You know, Babe Ruth didn't blah blah blah. Um, that's all well and good, but it just means a closer. That to me is the shocking part, just because of how contentious the idea of closers in the hall of fame is that it's, even though he is the best, like undisputed, amazing deserves to be there. It's still surprising that a closer would be the first one to get a unanimous vote. Yeah. And you know, he's just so beloved too. I mean, I really do think that that that's part of it. Like no one, just no one wanted to be the guy that vote that didn't vote for Mariano Rivera. The guy that didn't want to literally didn't submit a ballot. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, and, and I love Miranda Rivera. I've, I've read his biography. You know, absolutely fascinating cat. Obviously, you know, the greatest reliever of all time. 
Um, but it is kind of funny. It just It's just kind of funny that he'd be the first to be unanimous. And the problem isn't that he's unanimous. The problem is that so many other people have not been. <laughs> like, Greg Maddox wasn't a unanimous. <laughs> we were talking first about the Hall of Famer. Like, Weird. Like, Willie Horton wasn't unanimous. Uh, nobody like, up, nobody, nobody else. Nobody yeah, yeah. who isn't. <laughs> <Never>, like, <laughs> it's ludicrous. Yeah, it's just bizarre. I mean, it, and, you know, the Hall of Fame is just, you know, once you kind of, I don't know how other people out there feel, but, you know, once you kind of grow up and, like, uh, you're kind of over it, you know, like, okay, you know, we know who the best players are. We don't need the Hall necessarily to tell us. I kind of think of it more just as, you know, it's a museum that you kind of have, you know, everybody and all kinds of interesting stuff in it, even if they're not voted in or not. But, um, yeah. But, you know, yeah, it, it is a little, it's just a little bit funky. Like the whole procedure is just kind of, just kind of peculiar the way it goes. And, uh, Jeff Passan, um, who now I believe has moved over from Yahoo to ESPN, um, or maybe is it Jeff Passan? Maybe it is uh, Jeff Passan. I think it's Jeff Passan. I think it probably is. Um, anyway, he was saying that, um, I think, what was it? What were the numbers? It was something like, of all the people who didn't vote for Barry Bonds or Roger Clemens, um, basically like 45% of those people, uh, wait, no, okay, I'm sorry. Of the 193 um, voters whose ballots remained private, um, only 45.6% voted for Roger Clemens and 45.1% for Barry Bonds, whereas the 232 voters who did reveal their ballots, um, 71% voted for Roger Clemens and 706 voted for Barry Bonds. So it's just kind of funny that the people who don't want their ballot being revealed and, and tied to their name um, are the ones who are still kind of the holdouts on, on Clemens and Bonds, despite you know plenty of other PED-type guys being in there. And the two of them probably being the best p- player and best pitcher of all time are pretty darn close. Yeah. So, yeah, it's peculiar. Um, but, you know, that's the way it goes. And there were some other there were some other nominees beyond Mariano, um, Mike Messina, who I, you know, has had accumulated a high enough WAR total um, that I know Jay Jaffe's Jaws system, you know, kind of looked at his peak and it wasn't it wasn't sort of elite, but uh, but his overall body of work was pretty darn good. He got in as well. Um, he's been on the ballot for for a long time and kind of been one of those guys that has been argued kind of over quite a bit. And then Edgar Martinez. Um, yeah, Seattle fans have got to be super pumped now. Yeah, I mean, they've been advocating for him for so hard um, for such a long time now. They've got to be pretty <laughs> gratified. I know a lot of people were really excited on Twitter about I that. I feel like our friends at Lookout Landing spent half of the season kind of really pushing for yep, it. Yep, yep. He's their Lou Whitaker over there. They're like, this one, give Truly. us this one guy. He's got to get in. Just let us have Edgar. Yep. I mean, they, you know, they'll have Ichiro eventually too, but yeah. Seattle is kind of lacking. Kind of lacking a little bit in Hall of Famers. Uh, I can't even remember where Ken Griffey, what Ken Griffey Jr. went in wearing. Mm. Did he not go in as a Baroner? Maybe I think maybe he did. But I would I, assume just, so. Yeah, I would assume so too. Somebody's gonna write us a comment. Yeah, it's gotta be, gotta be. Uh, of course, as I'm trying to Google this, my thing isn't even typing. <laughs> um, yeah, we, yeah, I need to know this. <laughs> I do too. Yeah. Hold on. He had to go, right? He had to go in under the Mariner's hat. I can't really believe it could go any other way. What is he wearing? Hold on. Um, here are Ken Griffey Jr. Mike Piazza Hall of Fame plaques from CBS. <sighs> Load slower, CBS Sports. Get it together. Uh, Mike Piazza is wearing a Mets hat, of course. Yeah, Ken Griffey Jr. is wearing a Mariner's cap. Okay, thank God. Yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah. Had to. 
Yeah. Yeah. That, that would have felt wrong any other way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they got their guy. Um, and, you know, there haven't been very many DHs um, elected ever to the Hall of Fame. So it's pretty cool. Edgar Martinez had a spectacular long career. So however you feel about kind of the DH and the Hall of Fame, um, once once you let one in, you have to kind of consider them all as a, as a bunch. And Edgar definitely was worthy. So it was pretty cool to see him get in. And then the final one was Roy Halladay, who um, tragically died in a plane crash um, last year, not not too much off from just like almost a year ago today, I believe. I think it was like last yeah, December. Really recent. Yeah. Feels like. Yeah, but of course, um, you know, threw a no-hitter in the postseason, um, you know, just, just had a spectacular career, uh, particularly with the Phillies, and he got in as well on her, his first um, first year of eligibility. So that was a pretty... Yeah, that's not surprising. I, yeah. I mean, like, I feel like he would have made it in regardless. I don't know if he would have been a first ballot inductee if he hadn't died. Yeah, I'm not sure. It's another one of those ones where kind of like Mariano, it's like, you know, Roy Halladay was really pretty well-beloved and kind of was notor- or notorious, known for um, for helping out younger players and, and being really good with his time um, with the media and, you know, with minor league players, people coming up and asking him questions. It's just kind of... Um, was always just a pretty beloved character. So, you know, I mean, that stuff does kind of weigh into it. Um, you know, on the flip side of that, we have Kurt Schilling, who didn't get in again, despite numbers that, you know, put him maybe a little bit on the fringe, but, you know, probably would get him in if he hadn't, you know, done a whole bunch of dumb stuff. <laughs> and if he uh, wasn't just a belligerent turd. Yeah, just kind mean? of a reprehensible individual. I mean... <laughs> You know, you know, I mean, it just is what it is. We could say, you know, it should just be about, you know, baseball and, and what the guys did on the field. But this is a guy who, you know, called like the victims of Sandy Hook and, and a couple other school shootings, you know, crisis actors and that they were part of a hoax. Like, it's it just goes on and on. I don't really want to get into Kurt Schilling and every horrific thing he's ever said or did. But um, but that stuff does kind of play into it. You know, like what, what you did yeah. in the past, like maybe wouldn't matter so much if it wasn't that they were going to have to give you this huge platform to get up there and have no idea what, you know, god-awful garbage might come out of your mouth. Um, yeah, somebody in her like SB Nation MLB chat mentioned that they think he'll get in posthumously. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, that's really the only way I see that being okay. Because yeah. you're right, who wants to give him a platform to make a nice big speech? You know, like... Yep, it's just tough, you know, it's like a, it's a club, you know, I from the outside it's like a, you know, it's this honor that that is given to you for for the facts the things you actually did on the field but there's just so much that goes into it kind of in the culture behind the scenes of baseball and like you know who's popular who's kind of you know in the in group who likes each other you know all that stuff does kind of play into these things um i think i said this last week but if you if you went to the hall of fame you know ceremonies and then kind of talked to everyone after and like barry bonds showed up barry bonds is right in the center of that group and everybody respects the hell out of and loves barry bonds um you know, that that's, you know, there's a disconnect there considered, you know, compared to how, you know, maybe some fans and obviously some of the older media members still kind of feel about him. Um, but Kurt Schilling in that group would be extraordinarily uncomfortable, I imagine. So, yeah, as with absolutely. Pete Rose, which is why Pete Rose still isn't in there, because he's just sort of never straightened up and, you know, and, and kind of just got it back to just being about baseball um so and then even worse stuff came out about him, yeah it, so. just keeps, it just keeps going um yeah you know meanwhile you know obviously you know barry bonds has you know allegations of domestic violence in the past he has you know i think didn't roger roger clemens has a whole bunch of crap you know of, of similar sort even beyond the peds but because that's all 
sort of behind them and they get along well with others and can play nice now you know it's sort of like they're they're put into a different category and it's all sketchy i mean it's all just a very subjective thing and we try our best to to make it seem otherwise i think and you know a lot of writers out there trying to come up with a perfect algorithm and all that um shout out to jay jaffe though who is awesome and uh, whose jaw system oh, is super cool i love jaws okay can i just talk about jaws for a second oh yeah I'm please, obsessed with it. please go because I, I really I like, feel like a lot of people don't know about jaws and uh, so jaws is a system as i drop my phone oh my god um jaws is a system developed by jay jaffe and i'm not going to get the mathematics of it right but basically it averages player war over the top seven seasons of their career um roughly this is such a rough basic explanation so it basically takes the the war of their best seven seasons and creates a number that is their jaws score with the intent of of kind of identifying um a better system for figuring out who belongs in the hall of fame and who truly is the best at their position um and so uh, baseball reference actually has it listed so if you go and google you can search catcher jaws and it will pull up a list of catcher rankings by jaws um and you'll be able to see based on that who already is in the hall of fame and it's actually a pretty good system because you'll usually find that the top 10 in everyone are already in the hall of fame and the ones just below that top 10 line are most of them are as well um and, and I, I'm just, I'm fascinated by it. And it's, it's a metric I pull out a lot. So if you ever read my stuff, I, I talk about Jaws quite a bit. Um, yeah, and it's so. sort of, yeah, and I mean, I guess, you know, the, the motivation is to, like, really give people a sense of, like, okay, this is, this is this player at their peak. You know, for seven years, this is the absolute best that they could do, um, which is super cool because it really helps kind of cut out some of the guys. You know, you think back to, like, um, someone like Sandy Koufax or someone like that who didn't maybe pitch as long as they could have because of injury. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some other guys like that where that peak argument really shows you like, okay, you know, for, for seven years, this guy was an absolute monster. He deserves to be in. Um, and yeah, I think it's, it's pretty useful that way. Like I, I don't, I'm a big advocate for durability too. And like guys who, you know, obviously I'm a Justin Verlander hawk. And that's one of the key arguments I always make about Justin Verlander is that whatever you think of Clayton Kershaw, you know, I would rather have Justin Verlander on my team because I know he's going to throw me, you know, 200 plus innings and still be, like, going 100% in the postseason. Whereas, you know, with Clayton Kershaw, it's just a little bit more arguable. Um, that's not a shot at him. Clay- I love Clayton Kershaw. He's an amazing pitcher. And by a lot of metrics, you could you could make the case that he's a better pitcher than Justin Verlander. But I do like kind of having both. I like having that Jaws peak argument. And I also like having kind of like... The durability. The, the, yeah, the broad picture. You know, like, how long were you good because if you were great for seven years and another guy was just really good for 14 years like i'm still kind of leaning toward the guy who was just really good but um but it's really just a a super cool system to kind of give you that that base number to go off of so so a fun fact i just pulled up starting pitcher jaws just for the sake of amusement and in the top 30 um there were three pitchers who were not in the hall of fame as of yesterday (laughs) um Mike Messina being number 29, and he is obviously in now. Um, Jim McCormick at 18 mm. is not in. From He played from, if you're, you'd be forgiven for not knowing who Jim McCormick is, because <laughs> I sure don't at a glance, because he, he played from 1878 to 1887. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so, and number 27 is Kurt Schilling. Like, yeah. he, he absolutely has the numbers to warrant it. Um, uh, number one of all time is Walter Johnson, by the way. 1907 to 1927 had a, a career-high seven 
like seven year average for his jaws um of 127.4 wow wow his his war over those periods is 165 wow um yeah, and then uh, Cy Young. Oh, I lied. There's one other kit pitcher not in the Hall of Fame on this list, and it's Roger Clemens at number three. Oh, yeah. I didn't even look that high. But, yeah, it's Walter Johnson, Cy Young, and Roger Clemens are your top three. Um, so, yeah, if you've you never looked at catcher war, at war in general, it's just a fascinating um, – sort of Jaws, I should say. Um, it's fascinating, um, truly. So, yeah, it's career war average with their seven-year peak war. Oh, so the career war is factored in. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, yeah, so I find it... Anyway, so just to, I, I had it pulled up today because I was talking about Joe Maurer, as I sometimes do, um, because I am a lifelong advocate now. Lifelong being... This is something I picked up last year. <laughs> <laughs> um, but for the rest of my life, it's going to be my thing. Um, advocate for catchers getting into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, because um, they really are underrepresented. Underrepresented, like for sure. Um, and people are arguing with me about Joe Maurer, but Joe Maurer has the seventh highest career jaws of any catcher in baseball history. History. Yeah, he's a lot. He is, the, he is the only person in the top ten who is not in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, obviously he's not eligible yet, but uh, five years from now, Joe Maurer should should get in real quick. I would imagine. To, to me, I to me, I would first ballot Joe Maurer, and um, I was because I, I mentioned it. Kind of Bill talking. Freehand. No, it's too oh, late for that. <laughs> I'm gonna get a T-shirt made that says Bill Freehand for Hall of Fame. Yeah, you should, so that yeah. I can just like spread the gospel to others as they ask me about my shirt. Yeah. Um, but I was just pointing out that it's gonna be an interesting class in five years because it'll be Joe Maurer's first year of eligibility, Adrian Beltre's, um, Victor Martinez, who I don't think is going to make it. Yeah, um, probably. He'll, but he'll be eligible that same year. Um, somebody mentioned Chase Utley. I think is going to be that same class. Oh yeah. Uh, so that's yeah. gonna be a really interesting. And it's, it's weird for me because I, I haven't been watching baseball as long as some people have. So now it's getting to the point where like guys that were playing when I started watching are getting their inductions. So yeah. I'm like, oh, this is weird that the guys <laughs> I'm watching retire are now getting inducted. Like, of course, I watched Rivera and I watched like these guys play. So yeah, very interesting stuff. Yeah, I mean, and it's been a big year kind of for Hall of Fame stuff just because, I mean, for Tiger fans seeing, um, you know, I, however you feel about Jack Morris, I didn't really think he deserved to be in, but I was still happy for him. And I grew up watching Jack Morris and thinking he was the shit. So it was super cool to see him um, get elected. And it was also um, just amazing because Alan Trammell was, you know, my childhood hero. Like I patterned everything I did in, in the summer as a child until I was probably like 13 or 14 on wanting to be like Alan Trammell as a shortstop. So yeah, it was oh. just super cool to finally, um, finally see those two guys get in. We just, you know, we, we gotta, we gotta get Lou in there. We gotta get freehand in there. And you know, the other cool thing about Jaws and it's, it's, it's look at catchers is that it makes a pretty good point that, you know, Lance Parrish was really freaking good. Like there's a yeah. couple other guys who, who should certainly be ahead of him and aren't in yet. But Lance Parrish was an amazing, amazing defensive catcher and had a lot of power and probably did put together seven seasons that should convince a lot of people to get him in there too. So where is, cause I mean, Freehan is um, 14th on the list, which is why I get real fired up. Um, but Lance Parrish is 25. Like there's no, like he, cause we were talking about Yadier, Yadier Molina's, um, chances of getting into the hall of fame today and yay, nay, whatever, like Yadier or not, I don't. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I, 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 I kind of do, but I, I think he gets a little overrated. Something about him rubs me the wrong way. I know he's salty. Um, he's salty. I, 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 I kind of like that. Yeah. Some guys like me, give me an Ian Kinsler level of salt. I'm all for it, but also he was a tiger. So yeah. I think I was super biased yeah maybe um but yeah lance <laughs> Parrish is 25 and that's above 
uh, Melina, who most of us consider to be a pretty, pretty much a lock um, on at least uh, not of maybe a first round, but a, a pretty good chance of a Hall of Fame vote. But I pointed out too, it was interesting because Jorge Posada, who dropped off the ballot after his first year, um, is seventeen. Oh yeah, yeah. Like it's it's a pretty interesting. And that's a, that's a Yankee with a ton of rings. Yeah, I know. Like he had he had everything. I I think I wrote about him in my um my piece for um, Hardball Times where I talked about pitchers, eye catchers that should have kind of a second look. Um, I don't know that Jorge Posada really has a case for it, but I, I think given his jaws metrics and given, you know, those rings that he has and his tenure with the Yankees, it's actually quite surprising that he didn't get more votes. Yeah. There's just this weird, yeah, it's just a weird bias against catchers. Like everyone understands it. Everyone knows that you can't expect catchers to play as many games or produce the way, you know, you'd expect a right fielder or third baseman to, but they, they just haven't figured out a way to sort of make make it work um, in, in a way that's convincing to enough people, I suppose. Because, yeah. it's, I mean, it kind of feels like things have turned a little bit. There's some recognition. Um, we had Mike Piazza get in in 2016. Um, Pudge, Ivan Rodriguez was elected in 2017. Um, yeah, I, th- I think in our next Arrows vote, you might see a guy like Ted Simmons. Yeah. Um, Ted Simmons is, like, really wildly overlooked. He's 10th in the list of all time. Like, um, and I know Ted Simmons was a Cardinal, right? I'm not making that up. Yeah, I think that's right. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, for his whole, his almost his whole career, his whole career. I'm not crazy. I know things. (laughs) Um, he finished out his career in, um, Atlanta of all places. Um, but spent 13 years with the cards, so I'm not crazy. Um, but yeah, just a tremendous career. Like, holy crap. Uh, eight time all-star silver slugger winner, but no ring. Um, you know, it's, I don't know. Yeah. And it gets, uh, and at that point, like guys like that, like it all comes down to reputation because we can't, I mean, we can't access like the defensive metrics of, of any of these guys. It's weird when you see, when you look at like fan graphs or baseball, reference and you see that there's a defensive you know component of war included and i just i I, i've looked into it briefly and i still i have no understanding of how they can even begin to you know have an accurate number i mean we struggle enough with with players that are playing right now (laughs) let alone well yeah for guys in the you know played in the 70s and stuff and 80s so yeah. yeah and it's extra tough too because you look at guys especially in like the negro leagues era you can't calculate any of their scores because almost nothing yeah almost nothing was actually tracked um which you know yeah they, yeah i mean they, there was like a huge campaign to get um oh crap bit uh biz Mackey, um who played he was a catcher in the negro leagues um got inducted i think back in like oh five or oh six and um and that was kind of like you know the, like the dam breaking like people finally realizing like we're just gonna ha- you know we can't just go by the numbers or whatever we're gonna have to figure out a way to you know, kind of take what people said about them and all that different stuff and, and make it uh, and make it count to some degree and let, you know, reputation kind of carry some of these guys. Because, yeah, the catchers are just underrepresented. And if, I you know, I think we both kind of fit this this kind of profile where we, we both think of the, the Hall of Fame as, like, someplace that should have everything, like, should cover the whole game and be a uh, the, museum yeah, for like, the game. I, I, I I'm not like, worried about a small hall anymore. It's, like, it's way no, too late for that. Harold Baines because is in, I'm sorry. The, the general <laughs> consensus of what puts somebody in the hall of fame shouldn't just be their numbers like even if you look at what the hall of fame write-up is it's their contributions to the game um so i look at guys and like you know we talk about things that have developed like when in my article and i'm gonna forget the names because i just you know i wrote an article and i forgot 
that um, there was a catcher for the Yankees um, who is like their their first like major league um, or the first black coach to work in the Yankees organization, like everything. But he developed the weighted thing that goes at the end of the bat, the donut. Oh, the donut. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I feel like how do you not acknowledge that as stupid as that is, how much that's impacted the game? That this guy not only was the first like black manager at any level in the AL and in the Yankees organization and like played alongside fucking Jackie Robinson and invented this donut and he doesn't get any attention at all. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously there's the Negro Leagues Museum, which is super cool in its own right. But it's beautiful. Um, but yeah, they, I mean, that should have its own wing in the hall as well. Because, um, yeah, it's just an absolutely fascinating part of the game that most people don't really know about. It's like, how did this thing that you see in every single game get developed? And how has that changed things? Like, who, I don't know, who invented cup balancing in a bat? Why do I care? I don't know. Who but was the I first do. person to tripod three <laughs> bats and sit on it? <laughs> who did that, right? Like, I find the whole thing, I'm having to look up this guy's name because I feel like such a dipshit for not actually uh, knowing it. It's Elston Howard. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm not so. familiar. You know, I, I have to go back, though, because I, I, I just really like the idea of, like, people at Google or something being like, why are all these Bill Freehand searches coming from Winnipeg? This is weird. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're walking down in your shirt I, and people I, are just, I just like, who is she? Austin Howard, because he was really fascinating. Um, so he was uh, the first black player with the Yankees, the first black player to win the AL MVP, um, a four-time World Series winner, a two-time Gold Glove winner, a 12-time All-Star uh, 36th of all time in Jaws. Um, he was the first black coach in the AL, the first, uh, as he was a first base coach for the Yankees for 10 seasons, and he invented the weighted donut uh, that players used to practice in the on-deck circle. Like, he's he's one of the retired numbers at Yankee Stadium, and he's not in the Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're a retired number in the Yankees, like, come on. I mean, the Yankees <laughs> have all of the numbers retired. At That's this true. Point. <laughs> That's true, they do. They're just going to start using symbols. Yep, and then yep, and I don't know if Mike Messina will get his number retired now, but uh, but that seems like at least a decent possibility. It was cool seeing um, there's this a famous clip of Mike Messina telling Joe Torre to get back, you know, get back in the dugout when he came to get him, <laughs> and then striking out the and striking out the guy anyway, and just kind of like ignoring Joe Torre after that. But that was pretty funny. One of the one of the cool things about this is just kind of seeing all those sort of classic moments get kind of rehashed and stuff. Um, I've seen quite a few people recirculating the Miguel Cabrera versus Mariano Rivera at bat from, uh, I think it was early September 2013 when Maggie fouled two pitches off his leg and was hobbled and staggering around and then blasted one out to uh, to dead center to tie the game in the ninth. That's uh, that's kind of a classic moment that Mariano so probably doesn't like to remember as much. But <laughs> And the other thing about Edgar Martinez, to switch it over there and to keep bouncing around, is that you know David Ortiz is going to be eligible in a couple years, and it was sort of it, it kind of felt like you have if you're not you know if you're going to elect David Ortiz, and we all know you are, <laughs> you kind of you got to get Edgar in there too. Because before that, I think Frank Thomas was the only designated like de- you know regular designated hitter that had ever been elected. So yeah, getting Edgar in there kind of open up opens things up for uh, for Big Poppy there, I believe. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it's going to make it a lot easier for people to justify doing that as a first round vote. Like maybe. Oh, is he for? I don't know. I don't even know what the they. You know, it's so hard to know. Yeah, Edgar's had a couple. Edgar's been on the ballot a couple times, but um, I just wonder about about Ortiz. Yeah, 
You just wonder too. Yeah, I mean that's the other thing about Mariano getting in, um, you know, unanimously on his first try. Maybe that'll kind of break the dam because obviously there's just been a weird like taboo on doing that, even with pitchers and players that were absolute lock Hall of Famers. Um, no one's just ever wanted to, to to you know. There's always been some some loserhood to dissent for whatever reason. So uh, yeah, hopefully this will kind of break that down and people kind of come to their senses and just start putting these guys in. Um, you know, if they're a Hall of Famer, they're a Hall of Famer. That's it. Yeah, Go. it's true. Chop chop. Time's a waste. Just get it over with. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, when is, did Ortiz retire? End of 2016. So 2021. Okay. Uh, just a minor thing that popped up in our channel too. Apparently the Mariners officially did re-sign Suzuki, uh, Ichiro Suzuki, to a minor league deal. Um, basically entirely so he can play in that opening series in Japan. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's really, I, I think a lot of people assumed that would be the case. Yeah. That he would, you know, they'd sign him again, he would play in that series and then officially retire. And I think it's kind of cool to get some, to see that they're actually doing that. Yep. Oh, I love that guy. Ah, it's, 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 I'm, he's one person I would never be bitter. It is just like kind of hanging around, taking up a roster spot. It's okay. He can right? do whatever Yeah. <laughs> it makes me, it makes me super happy. Yeah. I just want to see him and uh, Otani hang out again. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That that meeting was pretty cool. That that was just an interesting meeting, just to see the you know the, the kind of extra respect that, that came out of Otani for him. You know, yeah. just yeah. The bad MLB tweets aside, that was really cool. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's true. Yeah, was that the Spider Man? <laughs> it was the two the two Spider Man. Yeah, I'm like, no, they're both Japanese. That's it. Sorry, <laughs> one of them's six five and the other one's five ten. Um, yeah, they don't look alike. Anyway. <laughs> Someone, someone whiffed badly on that meme, tragically. Yeah. Even. yeah. So, yeah, there's the Hall of Fame kind of wrapped up in a in a nice little bundle for you. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else Tiger-wise to even touch on before we just kind of go to listener questions. I think let's just do that. Maybe, yeah. they'll, maybe they'll bring up some absolute stumpers here that irritate me. We'll see. Let's bring it on. Let's some, try. Someone's like, will Nick Castellanos be traded? And who would... <laughs> something like maybe, that. Maybe. But I don't think that they're going to get an offer they like for him. Yeah. Okay. Um, Zach, David Zek asks, the Tigers haven't been in a position in the past to play the service time game with their prospects, but now that they're starting to graduate real prospects, do you foresee them withholding those promotions to preserve the extra year of service time, or do you think they will continue to promote based on merit? Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, that is a good question, because the Tigers, you know, are holding out a little bit on Michael Fulmer in arbitration. Um, That doesn't mean it. Maybe, I mean, maybe they'll get that done and continue their streak, but it does feel like things are a little a little bit different. Um, I hate it when teams do that. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. like I, I kind of think that the whole, the whole thing is dirty. Um, but that's something that's probably going to have to be addressed in the, the collect, the next collective collective bargaining agreement. And, you know, the Tigers might need, might need to do that. I mean, if everybody else is, um, the Tigers probably need to get every advantage they can. Um, and, and doing that, you know, does, does a lot of times give you an extra year and just to explain to anybody who doesn't know what we're talking about. If you hold a player back, and don't start them in the major leagues until, say, May, um, they, they don't accumulate an entire year of service time. And so, essentially, that year doesn't count, and you get you get to keep them an extra year after that. What was that, Daddy? No, that was Ziggy. Ziggy, what's up, dude? He's being such an asshole right now. He keeps walking into the room and screaming at me and then walking away. <laughs> 
Yeah, all my food is in my bowl, but it's not in a shape that I like anymore. Oh, no, it's, you know what it is? There's food in my bowl, but I can see the bottom of the dish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cats hate that. It's weird. I don't know what it is. I feel like it's a sign of starvation coming or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I better go, better go sound finished. the alarm. So the thing about Ziggy is he's 16 years old, oh, so yeah. he is just, you'll hear it. It's like this howling... Yeah, whale. Yowl. <laughs> this this <yowling>. <laughs> So He does this at all hours. He loves to do it at like six in the morning. Um, and I don't know why. He's got fresh water. He's got food. He's got clean litter. He's cared for and loved. But no, he needs to yowl. Yeah, needs a little attention. Yeah. yeah get daddy to smack him. She just did. She actually just ran into the other room and pounced on him. Oh, good. I'm glad that everybody knows the saga of my cat. <laughs> no. Back off. Back off, guys. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. I, I kind of feel like they're... they're I think a... we interrupted you in the middle of explaining how service time works. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think it was basically explained. Yeah, like, if you hold them back for a month, um, that year won't end up counting as a full year. And players get six years before they reach free agency. So if you can play them for part of that first year, even five months, you'll still get six more full seasons after that. Plus, you can bounce them up and down with options, etc. This is how guys end up, you know, not reaching free agency until they're like 30 or 31. Um, so it's such a dirty move. It really is. And I do think that's going to be one of the things that the that the players union probably has to attack because it's just kind of become, you know, just kind of standard policy. And as a result... Yeah, the Tigers probably should do the same thing, but I can't advocate it because it, it's disreputable. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I, I don't think that it, I, them doing it wouldn't surprise me in the least. Um, do I think they should? No. Yeah, I mean, I'm okay with being real, like, considered about when you bring guys up. Um, I'm generally an advocate for as soon as a guy is, is close to ready, you should probably move him up to the, to the next level. I don't like seeing guys, especially once they're in the upper minors, kind of stagnate, be the big fish in the small pond, um, start feeling too good about themselves. You know, you got to keep challenging them to get better and better as they go. And so I like to promote aggressively. Um, but yeah, I could see maybe the Tigers kind of, especially with especially with some of the younger prospects, like if Matt Manning were to get there soon, um, you, you might want to do it with him. Um, with Kristen Stewart, who's already 25, or Jake Rogers, who will be 25 next year. It doesn't matter so much because you've got that guy till they're 31 anyway. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you might look for it with Burroughs. Um, Isaac Paredes, if he gets there quickly, um, they need to do that with him, especially because he's young and up and coming fast. But otherwise, yeah, I would prefer the Tigers not do any more than that than they have to. Um, we've got Jeffrey Todd, um, who posted a graphic of a Tigers fan holding a stick poking Alavila. With Tiger fans be like, do stuff, which we all wholeheartedly agree with. Like this, yeah. God, something here. Um, Corey Wolfgang wants to know if there are any chances we might see a Granderson reunion. Uh, I could, I don't think so. The only scenario I could see maybe something like that happening is if they trade Nick and decide that they don't want to just bring up Jacob Robson and like give him a full time job. So maybe you, you bring back Granderson as kind of a mentor to those guys for. A season, which would be fun, but um, I, I, don't, I don't think so. I was a huge advocate for them re-signing Grandy last season. Yeah. I, I thought it would have been such a smart move for them to make, especially from a marketing perspective, you know, something to fill the seats. Um, but I, I see it being less and less likely this year. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to agree with you there. Um, Robert Renneker Jr. wants to know if what, what are the chances of Hector Sanchez or Bobby Wilson going north with the team? 
and I'd say better than I like. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I think at least one of them will probably, well, I mean, one of them you'll have at Toledo regardless. One of them is going to play in a major league game this year. Yeah, I think that's that's really likely. Um, you know, John Hicks hasn't, it just, it's it's strange with John Hicks because it almost felt like for a couple of years no one really wanted him to catch, and yet they were keeping him around anyway because they liked sort of having the third catcher. And now, all of a sudden, you know, he, he's had hip surgery this offseason, and now they're going to p- kind of put him in as the backup to a guy who really isn't even, like, a proven prospect in Grayson Griner. Um, Such circum- a weird... Yeah, yeah, circumstances are right for either one of those two guys, or maybe both, to get some, some major league time. Um, I don't know. There's still time. I mean, obviously, maybe the Tigers will do our bidding and sign Matt Weeders or Martin Maldonado, but, um, yeah... I, I just I have no idea anymore. I have no idea what's going on with free agency at this point. Like nothing, nothing is going on. <laughs> so who yeah. knows? If if we're waiting out the market, um, we might be waiting until April first. So, oh lord, and it's not even out of the question that that happens. <sighs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, I can't really, I can't really make that one out. <laughs> okay. Um, hundred losses over or under. Ooh, go right, right to it. How does an over-under work? I've never understood betting. Like, well, how does that... What I is guess, the logistics there? Well, you basically are setting, like, a baseline where, theoretically, like, there's a 50% chance of it going one way or 50% chances of the other. I'm not sure if 100 losses is exactly exactly the baseline, but basically, that that's the, the idea. And then you either you bet the over or you bet the under. Um, in this case, I think... I will bet the under. I don't think they're going to lose 100 games. Yeah, I don't either. I kind of think they might actually be a little better than, than they were last year, um, just because some of the guys have more experience, and we might see some of the better kind of talent starting to creep in from the minors, at least as injury replacements. So, yeah, I don't know. And the division still... You can still, 90 loss season very easily. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm, I'm kind of thinking like 92, yeah. something like that. I like that this year we're picking how many games are going to lose. That's fun. <laughs> yeah, well, we did it last year too. I'm afraid <laughs> the division is just so bad, though. Too, it's just like how you know how can you lose a hundred games? You know, in the AL Central for fuck's sake. <laughs> Ridiculous. Yeah. So I'll yeah I'll say ninety two losses. Okay. Um, would any of the former Tigers outfielders, Austin Jackson, Cameron Mayburn, or Curtis, Curtis Granderson, help out in the outfield? That's from Adam Smith. Um, you know, familiar faces in familiar places kind of a deal. Um, now, I, again, I mean, I guess it's possible if they traded Nick that that maybe they would they would kind of bring in like a veteran guy like that to just kind of fill in, maybe give a little bit of help in center field if Jacoby Jones is really struggling. Um, but it doesn't. It just doesn't. It just doesn't yeah, feel like it. I don't see it. Yeah, although, you know, I do have to add, though, the way things are going, like, I, like those guys may not get contracts. Um, those guys may be sitting there, you know, in late March, like, well, hey, either take this minor league deal or forget it um, or retire. Um, you know, they might be up against it to that degree. I don't even know. So, I don't know. In a circumstance like that, I guess that we can't say there's no chance, but no, don't expect that to happen. Um, Adam Smith again. Could the Tigers go after Josh Harrison? He seems like a prime bounce back candidate. I think they were in the mix on that rumor mill. Um, I don't think that that's out of the question. Yeah, um, he's an interesting. He's an interesting character. Yeah. I mean, we kind of. I mean, we like the idea. Um, at this point, it's just more a question of like, are the Tigers going to do anything? Um, I don't imagine Josh Harrison would cost more than, you know, a couple million dollars, maybe a little bit more than that, or he might just choose to go somewhere he actually wants to play. But um, yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, he's a pretty useful player. I mean, he's played third base, shortstop, and second base, too, so he's he's versatile. Um, I, I could definitely see him being useful. I'd, I'd love, I'd be perfectly happy to have Josh Harrison. Give me Josh Harrison and Martin Maldonado and, or, jo- or Matt Wieters, whatever. Played 87 games at second base last year. I would take that. Yeah. Yeah, would I, would, I would like Josh Harrison. Yes, please. Let's go get him. Yeah. And, the you know, and nobody else seems to need him, right? Like, everybody's picking Rays, up all the cheap. The Rays were looking at him, but the Rays are looking at everybody who's available because they're building some sort of weird, demented Frankenstein super team. Yeah. Yeah, where, you, where everyone can play everywhere else, every other position. Nobody's really like great, gonna, but like, they're like, all musical, good. Musical positions all the time and like blow a whistle and everyone's just going to rotate and really, really fuck everybody up. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty, uh, pretty special unit. Um, you know, I had to notice like the, uh, you know, Fangraphs released their Tampa Bay Rays top prospects list and they had 54 guys that they wanted to write about. Usually most teams have like 12, maybe 20, maybe 25 I think the Tigers had 24 last time, and that was pretty yeah. good. The Rays had 54. 54 guys that they couldn't stop themselves from writing about. God damn it. It's disgusting. <laughs> and I that am not. a of a farm system. I am not sorry at all. Yeah, you shouldn't um, But Josh Harrison's actually projected to have a pretty good year next year. Like a line of 259, 311, 392. Um, OPS of 703. I'm not mad at that. Um, you know, I. Uh, 104 hits, 10 home runs, 43 RBIs. I mean, this is projections. Um, but I'd be satisfied with anything close to that. That'd be a really solid addition. I like him um, a lot better than getting Neil Walker, even though Neil Walker, because he's a former pirate and knows Don Kelly and probably Dave Littlefield, you know, is godson to his sister's, you know, brother's third child or some damn thing. <laughs> I would prefer to have Josh Harrison over Neil Walker if those are our options, absolutely. Um, uh, oh, Adam Smith again. Oh, Adam. You got, I hope you're listening. Founder of Modern Economics, just hammering away at us. Um, I sincerely hope you listened <laughs> through the entire thing of my cat yelling <laughs> to get to this question section. It was all worthwhile, Adam. Trust me. Um, seeing as Nick Castellanos' trade value is so low, are the Tigers better off just riding out the season with him and going after the comp pick? Um... <clears throat> I'm going to say yes at this point. Yeah. yeah. I just, you know, you see Nick Markakis, who's not as good as Nick, but is more well-rounded. And even though he's older, like, that's a dude who just said, hey, I'll take $6 million and go play for kind of a good team. Um, I, you know, A.J. Pollock doesn't really seem to be involved in, in a whole lot of trade rumors. And there just don't seem to be, or signing rumors, and there just don't seem to be a whole lot of people looking for an outfielder um, to the point that they're going to give us, a you know, a, another Jamer Candelario level type return so yeah i say keep him for now see if there's any interest at the trade deadline for somebody real desperate wants a rental see if you can get something but otherwise just keep him yeah just keep him and hope extend uh, him yeah i mean that's the other thing is like maybe that's what they should be thinking right now is if if they've been trying to trade nick and they've been kind of holding out for an actual reasonable return and they're not getting even remotely you know kind of hits like that yeah, maybe that's what you got to tell Nick. Like, you know, look, you know, people aren't even interested in, you know, trading us just a, a, a solid prospect for you. Um, so what do you really think you're going to get, in, you know, in free agency? And I'm sure Nick, what Nick is going to say is that Nick's going to, uh, you know, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to hit 320, crack 30 bombs and prove all you idiots wrong that I can play right field. <laughs> um, and 
that may be the case, but I don't know that he's still going to, I don't know that free agency is going to serve him any better than a, a really fair extension within the club. Yeah. I mean, the market is really, really screwy. Um, you know, I've only been writing baseball for five years and the first three years I was nailing, you know, free agent contracts. Like this team's going to sign this guy for this much over this yeah. many years. I have no idea anymore. The last two years are just a mess. And like the last off season, I wrote an article about how now is the time to extend Nick. And I still stand by that. I think the market is in such a bad condition that the Tigers can really be like, look, kid, you may want to bet on yourself, but we want you to be the face of our franchise. And here is our deal for four more years or whatever. And I think, honestly, that's what you want to do. Like, I like Nick a lot. I know I made so much fun of him at the beginning of last season, and I was such a Nick hater, but, like, <laughs> I mean, he has stupid buttons. I think he needs to do them up, Grandma Ashley says. But, like, he he could be the face of the franchise. And I think that the, he and the team really just need to acknowledge that they can do well for each other if they can come to, you know, an agreement. Yep. Um, but as you know, and the other problem there is that, as we pointed out before, Nick is the um, the players' union representative for the Tigers, and in that role, I don't know. It's just it's just it feels like there's got to be a lot of pressure um, on guys who are in that position to go to free agency if they can and try to max out what they can get rather than signing an extension. And he may actually end up suffering from that because I think if the Tigers offered him like five years and forty million. I'm not sure he could get that next off season. I think he no. will, but I'm not 100% sure. So, I don't know. It'd be nice for the Tigers to do that. Maybe maybe throw in some incentives for him and um, you know, and and tell him like, look, you know, you're going to get another year in right field. If it's not working out and you're still grading badly, we we're going to need you to move to first base. Like that's just the way it is. And, you know, maybe he's only he's been kind of bounced around his whole career. Um, the Tigers have never really handled him particularly well um, just because they, they needed him to, to plug holes as they were trying to keep the ship afloat and try to win. Um, you know, he got bounced around in the minor leagues from positions, and then they just moved him back to third base and said, hey, you're a minor, you're a major leaguer now. Um, so only giving him one year in right field probably isn't fair, but, um, but boy, it, it just didn't look good. So I, it's just really hard to imagine it's going to be a whole lot better. Although I could see Nick um, just breaking out and, and hitting more home runs this year and maybe yep. being a little better defensively. And maybe someone will come calling at the deadline. Um, but yeah, with that count pick, you know, someone's got to pay a decent price. And I just, it just doesn't feel like anybody's trying to win <laughs> that it, that isn't already kind of set in their outfield. Yeah. So, Oh, and then, uh, okay, Philip Day, why did we get rid of Verlander and not Miggy? <laughs> because, because, because nobody wanted to buy Miggy's contract. Yeah, exactly, because Verlander is still probably the best pitcher in baseball, or very close to it, and Miguel Cabrera is injury-riddled and owed, like, I don't know, another $230 million. <laughs> yeah, I remember when they signed that new deal for Cabrera, I was on Facebook that day, and I'm like kind of cool to know that i like miguel cabrera will be a tiger into my 40s yeah and then i'm like now i'm like no yeah why no there really should be a rule that once you get past the age of 35 you can do roids like do what you gotta do <laughs> you but know, like I, kind of I, like I, a handicapping thing like well okay once you're past this point if that's what you need to stay healthy and stay on the field that's fine like anybody oh, well. who questions why i'm so against any contract over five years I has never seen the Miguel Cabrera contract. Like, 
there is a very good reason I do not believe in long contracts because nobody nobody benefits from them. This is true, although I do have to keep pointing out to people that the long-term contract only came about because people didn't want to pay players what they were worth right then. You know, yeah. initially it was just a way of deferring some of that money because, you know, Manny Machado probably is worth like $50 million a year right now and probably will yeah. be for the next four or five years. But you just don't know what you're going to get after that. So that's why I he should get ten, three hundred. But he's not still, getting it. It doesn't yeah, seem like I anybody's s- paying that. I still love what the Nationals did with Scherzer. It's like, we want you for seven years, which is a perfectly reasonable amount of time to sign a guy that was that good at that time and continues to just dazzle. Um, but we'll pay you that seven years over 14 years. So, like, it's a sensible contract. They get to have him for the best years of his career. And then, yes, they still have to carry that funding, but it's loaded out over another seven years. I think that's a genius way to do things if you want to do it. Don't sign a guy to a 14-year contract. You know, be like, are you okay with the terms of us paying it, like, as a pay-as-you-go? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, like, and Max is a, you know, kind of a math guy. Um, so with a guy like him, you can, pr- you can be more creative. I, you know, I do wonder if some guys would just kind of be like, well, no, you know, you're not going to pay me, you know, this much until then. Um, I don't know. I look at that but, as guaranteed income. Like, yeah, why but, wouldn't you like you, it's such a, like, and if you get sued, if you get sued in the meantime, you've still got all that income coming rather than them being able to attack you know, kind of the whole jackpot that you've amassed. If you get injured at the end of that seventh year and you're able to finish out your contract, you're still getting paid for seven more years. And the team, like, the team can put a bunch of money aside, you know, in it and just invest it and just kind of, you know, and, and kind of just kind of keep it aside until it's time to pay you out. And they're actually probably going to come out ahead yeah. because inflation should mean that what they're paying you eight years from now is actually you know, kind of less than what it was when they first started paying it to you. So yeah, it kind of makes sense all around. It's pretty, pretty savvy move, man. I wish that, you know, the learners are kind of like Mike Illich, like 2.0. <laughs> It'd be really nice to have them owning the team at this point. It'd be great. I don't know why teams aren't doing that right now with Harper and Machado. I honestly don't. I don't know why the nationals aren't doing it. They've clearly seen it work. Yeah. And my only thinking is so... that does Boras just not want to do it again? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that might be. But, you know, he's the guy who, he really just wants to be able to say, like, this is the biggest number ever. You know, however many years it takes or, or whatever bizarre, you know, Baroque intricacies the contract requires. Like, he would just like to be able to say, I got Bryce Harper $350 million, even if it's over 20 years, you know. So, yeah, why wouldn't, you know, why wouldn't you get get a little more flexible and creative that way? I don't know. Maybe you're just not listening to us. Yeah, I mean, come on. All right, that kind of wraps up the questions. So I think we're probably probably going to let it go for, for another week and uh, talk to you all next time. Um, I don't know, Ashley and I are going to be holding down the fort this week because uh, Rob is on vacation. So on a sh- cruise, yeah, what a jerk. So you should see all kinds of weird mistakes and goofy stuff Brandon posts. No, but what you will see is we will actually write up that 1984 team post. It's on my list. And then we'll start the voting on the next one. (laughs) We're a little bit behind. I blame a flooded office. Yeah, that'll do it. And my sanity. Um, But things are kind of back to normal. So we should be be up on on the up and up with those. And our stat pieces are going to keep going as well. Yeah, the stat pieces are coming. Um, I've got to look at the rotations in Erie and Toledo um, and that some of the decisions the Tigers are going to have to make because it's going to be pretty crowded with starting pitchers in the upper minors. 
So that'll be coming out, and I also have something coming about um, kind of the Tigers' obsession with strikeouts and why they're obsessed with strikeouts when really no other team in the league seems to be worrying about them too much. So there's all those things to look forward to, and we will be back again next week with a new episode. Two weeks in a row, Brandon. What's going on? I know. I know. It's a new year. Season's getting closer. We only got a couple weeks until pitchers and catchers report. This is great. Yes. Before we go, you should plug your YouTube channel thing again. Yes. Um, for <laughs> yes. I'm so bad. Like, I keep posting it like once a day. Um, but like, I'm like, I hate asking people for money. Um, so if you weren't listening last week, I am launching a YouTube channel to kind of introduce new fans to baseball, to reintroduce old fans, to kind of, you know, explain the intricacies of the game, to, you know, really break things down to a, a you, if you look at our stats posts that we've been having up, it'll be that, but at a much more user-friendly level, plus, you know, little bits of this and that, two episodes a week. Um, but I am fundraising for it on Go Get Funding, um, which is at gogetfunding.com. And it's gogetfunding slash help me launch my YouTube baseball channel with little dashes in between every word. Um, it's the pinned tweet on my Twitter at 90 feet from home. Um, and what really nice thing about this campaign is that like literally every dollar I get, um, well, like, they take some fees, but like if I don't, if <laughs> I don't hit my... Yeah. Mostly what I mean is if I don't hit my goal, I still get the money. Um, like, they've already started paying me, which is weird. <laughs> so I have to, like, set a, an account aside for it. But, like, I've already raised enough money right now to pay for my editing software, to pay for a brand new mic. Um, next on my list is to get um, new lighting. So I, I may not earn enough to get the camera that I want out of this, you know, goal. Um, but the goals, the the... What am I trying to link like language here? The <laughs> donations I have received so far have already gone a long way um, to helping me get there. So five bucks, 10 bucks, if you're really generous, 20 bucks, um, it really, really helps me out. So go get funding.com slash help me launch my YouTube baseball channel. Uh, and again, the link for it is my pinned tweet on Twitter, which is at 90 feet from home. Uh, it would really mean the world to me. It's I'm super excited to get started on this. I'm going to do it regardless of how much the campaign earns, but it just gets me there that much faster. And, yeah. and it's just, just kind of hearing like all of your, your sort of basic ideas for episodes and stuff. It's something that um, I haven't seen anywhere on the Internet and certainly not on YouTube. Um, it, it just seems like a... Like something that's whose time is overdue, and you would be an excellent person to do it. So it should be a super cool project. So if you Thank can you. help Ashley out, please do so. And if you would like to don't donate to us here at Bless You Boys, you can head over to our Patreon at patreon.com backslash Bless You Boys. And even small contributions there, especially if you can do like a recurring three five dollars a month all year long would be awesome um, but whatever you can give us, we super appreciate it. Um, and any support we get on that front is. It's just really nice and really encouraging to us, um, especially in this time of woe as we wait for the Tigers to get their damn act together. So, <laughs> No kidding. So thank you all very much. Ashley, um, you have a great night, and we'll talk to you next week. You too. All right. Bye-bye.